how much greater are God's thoughts than ours? We continue with the concept we have visited about a little while for one more time before getting into some studies of the role of institutions. We continue this as I believe it is important that we grasp just how off we can get. We want to spend some time in the Old Testament and look at an example or two. We look back at a time when God's people were battling enemies right and left. We recently talked about Achan having taken items that he was told not to take, and it caused some issues. If you recall that story from Joshua 7, as they were approaching the city of Ai, they estimated that they only needed two to 3,000 troops to take it, an easy win, if you will. They were chased out of the city and lost 36 of their soldiers. Now, not a bad number, considering that upwards they had 3,000 going to fight, but they were not expecting any casualties. But because they had not obeyed, now, only one of them had not obeyed. With this reminder, let's consider some of their other planning and thinking that we've been speaking of for a little while. Samuel was a leader that was born to Hannah, an interesting lesson of Hannah and the events that led to the birth of what turned out to be a very strong leader for the people of God. We're reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, picking up in verse 10, in the Legacy Standard Version, Then Yahweh came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, your slave is listening. That's an interesting phrase. Your slave is listening. And Yahweh said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will establish against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons have been bringing a curse on themselves, but he did not rebuke them. Eli was a priest that served some 40 years as a judge for Israel. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were nothing short of wicked. Read in verse 16 and following of 1 Samuel 3. Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me, all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is Yahweh. Let him do what seems good in his eyes. Thus Samuel grew, and Yahweh was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew what Samuel, that Samuel, was confirmed as a prophet of Yahweh. Then in chapter 4, 1 Samuel, we read that Israel went to meet the Philistines in battle. They went to meet the Philistines in battle. Details are few, but we read of the outcome in the next verse. In verse number two, the Philistines arranged themselves to meet Israel. Then the battle spread, and Israel was defeated before the Philistines. Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who struck down about 4,000 men on the battlefield. Now, let's not forget Achan and the loss suffered because of his mistakes. God spoke to Samuel about the issues of the priest's sons. And since they had been left alone and not corrected, the camp of Israel would pay the price. 
We need to ask the question to return back to it. What was going on that they would let such wickedness take place, even in the priesthood, if you will? Now, let's get a reminder of Hophni and Phinehas, going back to 1 Samuel 2. Now, the sons of Eli were vile men. They did not know Yahweh. And this was the legal judgment for the priest with the people. When any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's young man, those two, Hophni and Phinehas, would come while the meat was boiling with the three-pronged fork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron of the pot. All that the fork would bring up, the priest would take for himself. This they would do in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they offered up the fat and the smoke, the priest's young man would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give me the priest's meat for roasting. He will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. Then we read in verses 22 through 24, Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing in Israel and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things, the evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the people of Yahweh passing about. Now, this will be a sign to you which will come concerning your two sons. We read in verses 34, Hophni and Phinehas, on the same day, both of them will be put to death. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart, Yahweh said, and in my soul. And I will build him a faithful house, and he will walk before my anointed ways. Samuel was going to be that replacement. Back to the battle. Israel lost 4,000. It does not come out as to exactly what was wrong. Now, they had just conquered Jericho just a little while back. Remember the walls coming down? And then a small loss of a few people, and then a greater loss. They seem to be scratching their head in confusion of what is causing this. Then the question came, First Samuel 4 and 3, the people came into the camp, and the elders of Israel said, Why has Yahweh defeated us today before the Philistines? Then an idea. They had this idea. Let's take to ourselves from Shiloh the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, that it may come along with us and save us from the power of our enemies. We'll get the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God in all things religious, and parade it before our enemies. This is what they did for Samuel 4 and 4. So the people sent to Shiloh, and there they carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of hosts, who sits above the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. And it happened that as the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh came into the count, all of Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth was thrown into confusion. The shouting was so loud, the Philistines, their enemies, heard it. Verse 6, they knew that the ark had arrived. We read in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 4, the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God has come into the camp. Woe is to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who shall deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. 
the plan seemed to be working. The camp of Israel goes against battle again with the Philistines with the ark in their shadow. We're reading 1 Samuel 4 and 9. Be strong and become men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been slaves to you. Therefore, become men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent and the slaughter was very great. There fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. And two more things happen for Samuel 4 and 11. The ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. A report came back from the battlefield to Eli, the priest, the father of the two wicked sons. He came and behold, Eli was sitting on the seat by the road eagerly watching because his heart was trembling for the ark of God. Now the man came to tell in the city, and the city cried out. Eli heard the noise of the outcry, said, What is this noise of this commotion? So the man came hurriedly and told Eli, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people, and your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. Eli fell off the gate and died. Then Ichabod was born, 1 Samuel 4 and 19. This daughter-in-law of the, the daughter-in-law of Eli, Phineas's wife, was with child about to give birth. She heard the report of the ark of the God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband had died. She kneeled down and gave up birth. And it came the time of the death, at, at about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said, do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of the God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God was taken. The Philistines took the ark to the house of Dagon, the God of the Philistines, and set it before Dagon. We're reading 1 Samuel 5. And when they of Ashdod arose on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the covenant, the ark of the Lord. And so they took Dagon, set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. The text continues that God destroyed them. The Philistines decided maybe we need to get rid of this ark. They shipped it out everywhere it went destruction followed. Seven months this took place, and it ended up in kerjath for 20 years. We read in 1 Samuel 7 and 2, the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They were in mourning as it appeared that the Lord had left them for 20 years. Samuel came to all the house of Israel, 1 Samuel 7 and 3. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods, the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. No, wait, wait a minute. All of this time, they were serving other gods other than Yahweh, Jehovah God, the God that delivered them time and time again, gave them city after city, crossing the rivers and oceans on dry ground. You are worshiping Yahweh and idols, you thought that bringing the ark, the image of the ark, that dwelling place of God would give shadow over all of the falseness 
the sheer deception they had among them. So this concept of Achan was still in their midst. And Hophni and Phineas apparently had more friends than enemies, it appears. Friends, I find this staggering. How could they be so blind? For how many years? How many lives? And it took an awakening, several, to get their attention. And then what? They returned. And then what do we read? First Samuel 7 and 10. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed before Israel. We read in verses 13, So the Philistines were subdued and did not enter into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel, the cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Ichabod, the glory had departed, and it was not the object. It was not the Ark of the Covenant. It was the heart of the people. They had slipped so far as to think God was happy with them. Even those two that were doing the unthinkable at the door of the temple. And they let it slide. Our message week after week is what? How many times have we gone over it? Fear God and keep his commandments. That is the whole of man, or that is the whole duty of of man. He is our majesty, most certainly, but he is also Lord. He is also King. We are his followers. We are his children. We are his disciples, or what was it Samuel said? Slaves, servants. And unless we open our eyes, we too can be just as blind, just as deceived just as misled as Israel. Has the glory of God indeed departed? Are we willing to repent and turn? We continue looking into some of the plan God has for man in our next visit. We greatly appreciate this opportunity. We look forward to visiting with you next week at this time. Until then, we bid you a very blessed day.